China's economy performed better than expected in August, and ANZ has upgraded its growth forecasts a bit on more hope for a soft landing. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in our bonus deep dive interview, we find out why Queensland economy is doing so well at the moment. Queensland's had two historical superpowers, both of which are, are, are working really well for them still. Stronger than average population growth and a more trade exposed economy. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, number one, China's economy looks more like it will have a soft landing. Retail sales, industrial production and investment data for August came out on Friday afternoon. ANZ's chief economist for Greater China, Raymond Jung, says they were better than expected. I think the uh, August economic numbers of China, to me, you know, seems to be uh, outperform. Many economic indicators exceed the uh, expectation. For example, China started with the PMI number uh, earlier in the month. The uh, PMI number is already approaching 50. Some other numbers are even more encouraging. For example, export industrial productions and uh, also retail sales, to me, giving me some signs of stabilization. Um, I'm not talking about China is going to uh, have a big rebound, but uh, it seems to me that the economic downturn, in terms of the pace of the downturn, seems to be uh, narrowing. And I believe that China will have a soft landing. And despite many structural challenges, at the same time, I do see that over the next two or three months, the economic momentum will continue to improve. Number two, those figures out of China prompted ANZ to upgrade its growth forecast a little bit for this year and for next. Here's Raymond again. We just revised the 2023 GDP forecast of China to 5.1%. And for next year, we also upgraded uh, by uh, 20 basis point two. So next year, we're looking at 4.2%. Now, I have to reiterate the point that uh, China is still undergoing a structural transition, uh, which we will see that the uh, growth path of China will continue to decline, even as low as 3% by 2030. But what we have seen in uh, the last few weeks uh, because of this uh, economic stimulus, including the property supporting policy, will help to uh, lift the short-term momentum. And that's why I use the term stabilization instead of recovery, you know, in the Chinese economy. Number three, Raymond has also put out a note detailing the 28 measures taken by China's authorities since the beginning of June, including another 25 basis point cut in the reserve requirement ratio for China's banks on Friday, which allows them to lend more. I just think that in the first half of the year, we were obviously very concerned about the economic outlook of China, and some of the economic measures seems to be very piecemeal. But uh, what happened in the past two weeks in terms of the property easing seems to be uh, exceeding our earlier expectation because they are willing to ease more and allow a more flexible uh, execution at the local government level. So I do see that the coming September and October, in terms of property transaction, will also be supported by the low base last year during zero COVID and the headline number of GDP uh, will get boost. Uh, partly because of the low base, partly because of the combined effects of the uh, government stimulus measures. Number four, there was more news over the weekend of a robust US economy, but with low inflation. ANZ's head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin, reports that US industrial production in August was above expectations, and consumer inflation expectations dropped to 3.1% from 3.5%. 
That was the lowest since March 2021. Number five, it's a big week ahead for central bank decisions around the world, with the Fed expected to hold rates on Wednesday night, the Bank of England expected to hike on Thursday night, and the Bank of Japan also seen holding on Friday. Is ANZ's group chief economist, Richard Yitzinger, previewing the week ahead. It's the Bank of England and it's the Bank of Japan. Uh, a lot of column inches, but not a lot of action this week, certainly for the Bank of England and the Fed. Also, we don't expect anything from the Bank of Japan formally, but there is a chance they may drop their guidance that they won't hesitate to take additional easing measures. That would seem a strange commitment to keep with when all the pressure is is on the question uh, about when and if the BIJ might actually move to tighten monetary policy. Richard Yetenga there. Now it's time for our deep dive interview. I was stunned last week to see how fast Queensland's population grew last year. More than 2.3%. So what's going on? Here's Richard to explain. Queensland's had two historical superpowers, both of which are uh, are working really well for them uh, still, stronger than average population growth and a more trade-exposed economy. Obviously, on the trade side, the global economy is still doing reasonably well. Of course, China is softer, but the Chinese economy is certainly not in recession and not close to that. And on the population side, well, the other state governments have never had to do much to encourage people move to the warmer and more affordable climes of Queensland. But obviously, with some of the economic challenges, particularly in Victoria, there's an extra inducement there. It is like the rest of Australia, although structurally that story is is, is not as strong as it has been historically. The services story for Queensland is as much about students and internal migration um, as it is about uh, tourism. Um, and of course, those two superpowers stronger population growth and a more trade-exposed economy, there's some policy action required to really ensure Queensland continues to benefit from those things. Uh, Houses need to remain more affordable in Queensland than in some of the other states, and like everywhere, there's a challenge around that which is going to remain with us for some time. And on the trade side, the mix of Queensland trade, there is a, a material influence from coal there, which, of course, there's a climate transition which needs to be worked through for Australia and and for the world, but also China's a very large trading partner. China is clearly growing more slowly than it used to be. Can Queensland be as nimble with the other markets that are rising up to fill the gap as it has been with benefiting from the great Chinese story of the last 20 years? The resourcing is the billion-dollar question, not just for Queensland, but for every state as well. There are objectives around expanding the supply of new dwellings. There are objectives around the provision of infrastructure. And the cranometer in Brisbane is off the Richter scale for anybody who's been there recently. And, of course, there is a climate transition which involves a lot of the same materials and similar sorts of labour as might be involved in building new homes and uh, in building new infrastructure. So, no, it's not obvious Queensland has the resources, and, in fact, they're facing a a worldwide rush for a lot of these things. I think the resourcing challenge remains uh, very much alive. Queensland's destiny is in its own hands in many ways. Australia is incredibly fortunate in the sense that it's been a trade beneficiary of a fossil fuel-driven energy world, um, and it can also be a trade beneficiary of a, of a more sustainable world because of our deposits of critical and essential minerals that are required for the transition, um, the obvious things like copper, but also some of the more esoteric things that sound like they came out of uh, 
that came out of a laboratory. But policy is the thing that's required to transition from one world to the other. Queensland needs to rely on solid policy to get the transition to work. And so it can kind of switch its trade superpower from, uh, from a fossil fuel world into a renewable world. Richard Yetzinger there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was Five and Five with ANZ for Monday the 18th of September. Catch you tomorrow with a closer look at oil demand with Daniel Hines. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.